The only way to expose the truth is to be indecent. Two men might just be indecent enough to do it. Enter a wannabe amateur disc golfer who reads Reddit threads and a fake cowboy who lifts weights. This is Indecent Exposure. It's time to plunge down the rabbit hole with your hosts, Ryan and Sam. Hello. Hello. Let's go. What's good, man? What's up, buddy? We're kind of both uh, wearing green today. Your your shirt is blue. It's not blue, man. It's blue on my camera. That's how bad your camera is. That's what your camera is showing. No. Yes, it's so blue. It's kind of like a mint, I guess. It's there's no the, the, yeah there's licks of green in there but it's mainly blue See, there it is licks. licks there it is just barely man but yeah it's it's nice so you're rocking the rogers hat again always dude i love this hat yeah i i went to a dispensary today and they had richardson's and i really wanted to buy one why didn't you um it was the same style as this uh the Kansas city uh, barbecue what place yeah whatever. the Kansas City barbecue store yeah and the style fits good but it just it's a little too big still sorry and, and it was all black too so this one's fading a little bit here let me show you the front there's oh, the yeah. black and there's the <clears throat> so it's supposed to be brown it's pretty much brown I and probably my fault because i I'm, i've washed this several times but it's like when i go play disc golf i think it just gets like sweaty eaten by the sun dude yeah that's probably a good point so it's all good it's all good so i'm trying to avoid black hats that's unfortunate not, not that there's anything wrong with that that color at all i mean it's one of the colors of your of your alma mater it is. It's great. I mean, it matches with everything, man. You can you can play any or you match it with anything. Yeah. <laughs> so, so um, life good. This is good, man. This is a good start. Gosh. Oh man, sorry. It's, just, it's, it's been a long week already. I don't know. Uh, what? It's my, Wednesday, <laughs> brother. Last week felt like the five days. It felt like fourteen, and then um, I have like a corporate deliverable deliverable that I have to do for work at the start of the month and it's just exhausting. I, I worked from eight to almost eight. I must work twelve yesterday. And get, and I know, I know you work twenty fours, you know, it's it's different when you're staring at a computer screen and numbers all day. It's just like, mentally exhausting. I'm not saying that your job is not. I didn't think you were. And so it's it's just been a long been a long week it's not a great way to start off my monday and tuesday and yeah i'm actually excited it's almost thursday yeah tomorrow man thursday uh, almost feel, there i feel just drained so sorry i'll, I'll bring out the attitude or the uh, energy energy for this your attitude yeah you get that enough buddy yeah i do yeah so uh what do you want to talk about well, let's let's recap here a little bit. What did we yeah. 
What did we talk about last uh, last week? Let's look at the past five podcasts because it's it's so funny that um, the more and more I like just live my day to day lives, the more and more all the podcasts that we have been talking about is just kind of coincides with each other. They're starting and to blend a little bit. They are, and they're all having like this. And I was talking to Debbie about this. They they all are kind of related in a way, but like you wouldn't think it. But like once if you start to listen to each episode, they all kind of wow, a weird relationship that they all kind of have. Like they're not, they're not like all tied together and whatnot, but they're they're close. So starting from yeah. we're on our now episode eighteen from seventeen to twelve, Twitter files. Off the rails, which was about the train derailments, which we've been getting some more information about that. People like three people died this week from East Palestine, from East Palestine that were just uh, not observers, but they were um, some of the people that are testing the chemicals. Um, Researchers. Yeah. Yeah. That's concerning. Yeah. And then there was another there's been so many train derailments and maybe I'm just getting it because I'm biased or whatnot, but I don't know. Uh, bias being, being like, you know, here's gonna you. Know, it's going to know my search history. Right. And then we had back to the lab again, <laughs> just these fucking episode names are. Awful. Yeah. I, I wonder who's making those up. Awful. So talking about COVID-19 and the origins from that, which is actually funny because I think uh, what we're going to talk about today, world economic forum, mm-hmm. there's actually some, huge ties into what I've done some recent research about the COVID reset and COVID. Yeah. Yeah. And only the, the founder of the world economic forum only wrote a book called the COVID-19, the great reset. Was it produced before COVID-19 came out? I don't know when it exactly came out. I'll have to look that up, but I did see that. Yeah. That's interesting. So, and then preface there for you. And then, yeah. And then we talked about uh, what happened on the January 6th coup, if, if we're going to call it a coup. It's really, it's hard. To, I mean, yeah, it's kind of, it's challenging to kind of pinpoint that one because we, we kind of looked at, you know, both sides of it. We looked at the the mainstream narrative and then we kind of looked at, you know, the other side of it. Yeah. And yeah. provides a different expect, or perspective. And I think it, uh, I think it muddies the water a little bit and kind of, Gives it more of a gray area feel. Yeah. And uh, I feel like that video was v- very much suppressed because I'm looking at the views and, and guys, we don't have a lot of views and that's fine. It's going to take time to build our channel and build our, our brain and whatnot. But like, okay, don't laugh at us, but we average between like 20 to 100 views. That video <laughs> got... <laughs> <laughs> that, that range is, is really funny. That, yeah, you know, I know. That. But awesome. but that that video only got ten views, and I thought that was one of our best as far as like came prepared, displayed both sides of the whole arrangement, and that one only got ten. And then we got the bane of TikTok, which got as of now fifty two views, which is the far far supreme of what we just produced, which well, you, you would think there can be a, you know, gradual increase of views, which would make mm-hmm. sense over time. And then for that one, just plummet. 
shocking. Interesting. Peculiar. Well, I'll have to put that on the, the, the old TikTok before it uh, gets banded by the restriction act. Let's, let's pray to God. It doesn't. Um, and then, yeah, the, the banned TikTok either it's probably cause it was recent, you know, I did see in UK that TikTok got fined for. Yeah. It's a lot of money doing something with like kids data or something like that, like selling it or something like that. I don't know. I, don't know. I, I just, it was a headline. So who knows what the information actually said, but I just saw a headline. No idea. Yeah. Uh, but, but kind of interesting, kind yeah. of interesting, but it, it's, it all kind of ties into each other. And, and now we're going to talk about this subject, which I don't have a ton of background knowledge about, but other than what I've seen about TikToks. Um, and just my own general research and whatnot. So do you want to start off with? Well, yeah. So the, the world economic forum, I mean, it's probably something that people have kind of heard about more recently. It's been around since like what the, the eighties, I believe seventies, I think. Yeah. You probably heard of like the Geneva convention. It's the same thing. Yeah. And it was, it was started by um, this guy named Klaus Schwab and they hold a forum, they hold an annual forum and it's kind of turned into like this billionaire, um, you know, like billionaire conference. Yeah. It's got a lot of private jets flying into Switzerland and Davos. Hundreds of CEOs and billionaires and just people that are people very high, high up in there. A lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, we'll have to look up when he wrote this or released this book, but, he, he wrote a book called, as we mentioned, COVID-19, The Great Reset. And um, during one of the, one of his speeches, he, he made some really kind of interesting comments saying like, you will own nothing and you will be happy. You will eat the bugs. Yeah. Um, yeah. And stuff like that. And people are kind of like, like, what are you, like, what is, what is going on? Are we moving? And it's kind of like, it's creating this idea of like, you hear like the new world order, it's starting to kind of converge onto this one group of the world economic forum because this guy has been around since whatever the eighties since the, you know, I mean, who knows how long the new world order has been talked about, but it seems in the last couple of years, it's like, it's gained, it's gained a lot of steam. I think it's been talked about for a long time. If you're going to bring in like religion, and shout out to my sister for actually listening to my podcast. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And as that actually kind of brought up some religious standpoints that I, I don't want to get too much into because I don't want to, but it's kind of all tied in to this whole great reset. I mean, I guess you could go back to like the crusades. Right. I mean, people, people like Unfortunately, like to use religion to push their agenda as like mask it in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But yeah, I mean, the, the World Economic Forum is kind of, it's, ga- it's gained a lot of, I think, uh, popularity. And I think more people are paying attention to it just because of the whole, this whole great reset idea and, it, so, it sounds like what they're trying to do is move everyone to a centralized currency. Right. Um, they have, what is it? The ESG. It's like economic, social, 
economical, social, something else, governance mm-hmm. or something like that. Sure. Um, and that kind of is concerning because it's kind of pointing to like, we talked about social credit scores moving to like a, Oh yeah. Yeah. Moving, hey, like, that's like a kind of implementing kind of a black, areas. I'm pretty sure that's a black mirror episode where you yes, like, it is a black mirror episode, rate every transaction, rate every person. If they're like, yeah, well, that, or like you won't even deal with that person. Yeah. Where that girl's trying to get us money, you know, shouldn't get all the social media likes to boost right. her social credit score and then ends up tanking it and finds out that she's happier now that she let it tank. Yeah. But it kind of seems like yeah. that's kind of what they're, they're moving towards and they're using it under the guise of this is going to benefit everyone. Like this big socialist. I mean, if you, if you really look at it, it's a, it's a kind of a socialist ideology with a social credit score, a um, universal currency. And I mean, even to piggyback off that, like we were talking about this earlier today about the whole BRICS thing, Mm -hmm. um, Brazil, Russia, um, Iran, China, and Saudi Arabia now no longer recognizing the U.S. dollar um, in terms of trade, which is yeah. And there's pretty, a lot of countries that are like opting into it. Yeah, it's just kind of like taking wind and just kind of. That's gone. concerning. Very concerning because now it, I mean, it's US concerning. It. It's plummeting. concerning if you're a U.S. citizen, that's for sure, and like what's the value of our dollar? Because I, I, and I've heard reports that we're trying to get off of it to uh, go to like crypto to kind of combat that to a certain degree. That's why I think Biden right now is pushing to get regulations for cryptocurrency, which is funny because we talked about it early with um, uh, Sam Brakeman Freed mm-hmm. about him getting like in trouble for, you know, there, there's no regulations on what he could do when people invest in his platform. We come to found out a week ago that the $2 billion that he lost, he was just using that for his own gain, which is crazy. How do you lose $2 billion? Right. Cause it has no backing. Right. As we talked about how we're not, our current, our, right. our, our dollars now is not, not backed by gold. Right. And so it's like, what is our dollar stand for? If we're, if we're going to trade all of these USDs for basically oil, cause let's be honest and, and whatever exports we have. And oil is probably our main one. Either we're buying it or we're selling it. What's behind the U.S. dollar that everyone in the world is using? And if they decide to go towards a different monetary system, what's the U.S. dollar worth to every other country? It's going to be obsolete, right? Because well, so they're, we they're just going to trade with each other, right? Because they know we need we depend on them. They for still oil. They still are going to have to trade with us because we have a lot of exports still. We do, and so it's like, well, what are they going to trade us? Are they going to trade us bricks? Like brick B R I C S. By the so way, the acronym for the the, f- yeah. the the five 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 uh, countries. countries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like even the the thing with Saudi Arabia, like they're capping how much how much um oil they're trading a day now and it's a very very small number it was like a hundred thousand uh barrels of oil a day or something like that yeah which is crazy because we used to be trading upwards of two three four hundred five hundred thousand barrels a day yeah and now it's you know they're projecting our um our gas prices to on average raise by like 32 cents this summer 
with no oh, real end in sight. You said Saudi Arabia, it's South Africa makes up the S. Oh, South Africa. Yeah. That. But Brazil, Saudis Russia, are, India, you said Iran, I think. Brazil, I Russia, India, China, and South Africa. Maybe Iran and Saudi Arabia are other countries that are going to be. Uh, could be. I, I think. Do, 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 I'm just trying to look it up. There's still developed. I mean, it's been around since 2009 is when they first introduced. That's crazy. So it's not like it's been. This was like a yesterday thing. This, this has been going on for a minute. So here's all the countries uh, involved. Russia, Brazil, China, India, South Africa, Brazil. And I said Russia already, right? Isn't China? And China, yeah. I'm going to take this. I'm taking oh. this lid off. So you don't have so to there, me squeeze it. No, you're good. So the, there's some new applicants. Algeria, Argentina, and Iran all applied in 2022. Um, the five nations interested on top of that is Afghanistan, Egypt, Indonesia, Saudi Arabia, Syria. And there's some development programs to try to get people in. Is They also want Kazakhstan, Nicaragua, Nigeria, Senegal, Thailand, and the United Arab Emiratis. Yep. So there's, and so they're and what trying. Is, what is the goal of, of BRICS? Is it like a trade, like a trade treaty organization? Kind of like. So this, I'm reading this all from Wikipedia. So it's kind of like NATO, like, like similar to. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. It's a uh, multilateral development bank. Uh, operated by the five BRIC states. So that would be South Africa, Brazil, Russia, and India, and China. Uh, the b- bank's primary focus of lending will be infrastructure projects, um, which authorize lending of $34 billion annually. South Africa will be the African headquarters. So the, basically all these these five nations are going to be headquarters, apparently. Um, and they all have like a select number of like monies that, the, that they would have as basically like a savings account so they could lend it out to mm. investors, people that want to, you know, take money. Their own centralized whatnot. bank. Yes. Between the five. So it would be like, I, I can't say it's like the United States starting the U S dollar. Cause it's been around for so long. Mm-hmm. It just took time for the U S dollar to gain value. And, and mainly our, our history of the U S dollar was worthless for like, hundreds of years no one wanted to trade a us dollar and so what we did was we had a we started with a gold backing system and i I think when fdr changed that to gold backing system in the 30s 40s obviously and then we couldn't hold on to like and what i heard it was like two or three pieces of like silver or gold or else like the government would seize it. So it wasn't like common for people. It wasn't uncommon for U.S. citizens to hide their gold from the government because that was like their standard. They want all the gold that they can get, right? Which makes sense because your your dollar has a tie to um, an, a metal of right. whatever. A precious right? metal. Yeah. And then we went to the cork and barrel system for some time which I have no idea what that is. I need to do research on that. 
and yeah. hilarious if that was like alcohol. I have no idea, actually. I have no idea either. Cork and barrel. Clearly, clearly we're not experts in economics and the history of economics, but no. I know it's a big deal when we have these um, countries that we use for a lot of imports that are now no longer recognized in the U.S. dollar. Oh, sorry. Pork barrel spin. Wait, no, I, I don't know. I thought it was cork and barrel for some time. And then I don't Let's see. That sounds like a pub, dude. What? It sounds like a, the beginning yeah, of a South Park episode. I'm just going to ask Google is a the currency of most nations. The dollar is fiat money. So unbacked by any physical asset. Unbacked. So a holder of a Federal Reserve note has no right to demand an asset such as gold or silver from the government in exchange for the note. So, yeah, we're not backed by anything other than it's a U.S. dollar and everyone wants a U.S. dollar because it's worth something. However, now that's going to be extremely devalued if that's the case. Because everyone wants a U.S. dollar. And okay, so I pulled up an article. It's like, what's the US dollar backed by? And someone shows a picture of like, um, like an F 18 tanks, destroyers, and, and airplanes, right? So, like fighter jets and whatnot. So, people are idiots, mm-hmm. <laughs> apparently, on this post. Um, that was on Tumblr. Didn't know Tumblr was still a thing. Anyways, so before we get into bricks, oh, we already in bricks, whatnot. I want to show a video of what World Economic Forum's mission statement is or their story. And then we can kind of go into what conspiracy theories have been risen because of what they, what you've already, you know, mentioned about so far. Mm -hmm. So um, let me share my screen real quick. Share system audio. Unable to share. That's totally fine. What? That's typical stuff, Ryan. Typical. (laughs) All right. Let me know if you can hear this. Nope. Every time, man. It's because you got to. Why won't it allow you to share audio? What are you using? Chrome or. We should be good now. Really interesting, big questions that I think we have to face in the world. Helping answer some of those big questions, providing a platform for others to answer those big questions. This is now an open space for a lot of our constituents to truly drive forward their own actions. I'm passionate about serving a group of alternative thinkers who have not only dreamt up great ideas about how the world can be more fair, more inclusive, more just, more sustainable, but are actually proving it's possible. If you go back 50 years to the time when the forum was conceived, the whole idea was to make the multi-stakeholder concept come alive. The world has become so interdependent that entrepreneurs everywhere in the world depend each on another. If you look at the history of the forum, it's really been defining systems thinking. 
For example, the Gavi Vaccine Alliance. It took bringing all these great minds with resources together to say, what can we do about this? Today, we're announcing that we'll spend over $10 billion over this next decade on vaccines. Trust really gives us our credibility. It's really the essential piece to ensuring that we can continue to do the work that we do. The forum managed to convince Mandela and Declare to try to reintegrate South Africa post-apartheid. It has been my great privilege to fight a struggle for freedom that the world adopted. The ability of the forum to have good convening power, to bring all relevant actors to the table, and to be able to do it in a way that can impact entire countries or entire domestic systems. Lassen Sie uns in diesem Geiste gemeinsam für eine gerechte und dauerhafte Friedensordnung für ganz Europa arbeiten. Our job is to get people around the table to construct and create conversations that aren't being had. Why wouldn't we have a conversation about how we can reorient trade rules? Because that would have quite a powerful impact on the level of emissions and use of predatory resources. We must learn to look at the planet, not as just a spacecraft on which we are passengers. We must see the planet as what it really is, a living being. What climate change has done, it's monumental around the world. People moving from where their families have lived for centuries because they can no longer afford to feed themselves. Putting people in faraway places and pretending that they don't exist, that is not ethical, it's not sustainable, and it's not conducive for human growth. There's a much more concentrated effort to make sure that we're bringing in the voices of the next generation of business leaders, societal leaders, government leaders. We need to not underestimate the power that this youth has. Private sector and businesses, industry overall, has a huge role to play. It's not just the business itself, it's also related to the society, how we can create a better world in the future. We are working together with companies to think about AI and ethics, but also to recognize what human-centered design really means. We have the Center for Fourth Industrial Revolution to discuss technology governance. We always put humanity and human in center. And that's where the forum is at its best. It's as a way to shine a spotlight of where the world community could be headed. We have the incredible potential of the information technologies, of the ways of communicating. We're only at the beginning of recognizing how far that is going to change our lives. Each one of the fourth industrial revolution technologies has that potential to create a society that's more positive, that's more sustainable, that's more inclusive. If we can accelerate the formulation of a solution for a rare disease or climate, or access to healthcare by a single day, it means a lot to a big chunk of the world population. This is about shaping the trajectory of our planet, being that credible, neutral platform that is trusted to bring these stakeholders together and provide them guidance that they're willing to implement valuing equally that lots of different people might have a contribution to give. Because it often is some of those sort of rare ideas that are coming from an unexpected place that happen to be the game changers. Beautiful. <laughs> Absolutely magical. It's so full of hope. It is. And I'm not saying like, I mean, obviously, after you watch that, it's not like 
man, how can I doubt people that have billions of dollars are going to run my life into a ruin or whatnot? We're already there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, like when, so when you watch that, like all I'm hearing is all of the richest people around the world, right? Use their money and their influence, and they're going to come up with new technologies, new way, new communications, yeah. healthcare, all that stuff. And it's all going to be one centralized idea that's going to be that they're going to try and push out to a global community. Not which, just like, you know, in, as in, from a big overview, doesn't sound like a bad thing. Like what if we all, and it sounds so, so socialized, what if we all just put in our time, we, we make our money and, and every job, you know, makes a different amount of income, like how capitalism works. We all contribute to provide everything better for everyone. It's far-fetched. It's, I mean, and it's I, so extreme. I think that's the idea of capitalism. I, capitalism, and when you leave the government out, when you, you well, need I mean, some that's, sort of... You that's a pretty big variable. Sort of, you need some sort of governance. That's a pretty big variable, but yeah, you're right. Market. You do. Um, in my opinion, because if you keep running capitalism how it is, and you include government to say, Hey, banks can get buyouts, um, or to any industry, whether that be airlines, banks, whatever it is. And you, you, they file for bankruptcy and you keep buying them out and giving them money. It's like, well, these, you're not allowing new competitors to get into the market to say, I have a better solution for this. You're just keeping the whole same piece of shits and in power until they know how to run their money. And it, it's yeah. crazy to me that you have these giant corporations and I'm, I'm talking giant. Yeah. And you're, and you're kind of referencing um, Silicon Valley bank. And yeah, that's true. That was the problem, the problem with that is the investments that they made, they made such bad investments. And when you see who has their money, so let them their fail. money invested, right. it's a lot of powerful people and politicians which they haven't been bought out, right? They're, they haven't been, no one's given them money to. I don't know. We'd have to look that up. I thought hey, I saw, as, I thought maybe somebody had. Yeah. As far as I know, I, nothing, nothing said, nothing said that Silicon Valley was, um, the bank was funded by, or given money by the government. Not to look that up, but I want to backtrack for a second when you're talking yeah. about, um, the U S dollar. Cause I found an article by Forbes. Um, and it's talking about like, what is a currency collapse? And what they say is like, um, the idea of like the paper money was an IOU from the government. Um, and it used paper money coins and even numbers. And I'm quoting the, quoting the article here, um, on a bank statement represented an amount of gold in reserve. In those days, money represented an IOU for that amount of gold. Now the system isn't fully backed by gold, but the concept remains the same. Now they're backed by the weight of the United States reflecting everything within the economy. So the dollar is only given value if our if we have a based on the strength of our economy. And they say so in order for a dollar to have value, society needs to believe that the United States has value. 
given how many taxpayers, businesses, and valuable assets are in the U.S. It's hard to argue that doesn't have value. In fact, the reason why the U.S. was able to move off the gold standard was because it had so much economic value. It did. It did. It makes total sense. But now we've gotten to the point where we have hyperinflation. Hyperinflation. Which is really hurting us. 8%. We're $30 trillion in debt and counting, as we have. So what value does the U.S. dollar have other than keeping Americans somewhat somewhat saying of what compensation that they have or have in assets. And the only thing that's worth value in the United States right now, in my opinion, is if you own real estate. And that's what everyone's always said. If you're good with your money. This is basically the U.S. dollar right now. Where's all the money? That's as good as money, sir. Those are IOUs. <laughs> Go ahead and add it up. Every cent's accounted for. That's it. So we got IOUs right now. I feel like I'd be, I I know shit's going to happen um, really soon. And I know that the, the treasury right now is looking to, um, apparently they have new program out for like crypto people to transfer the dollar to a crypto per se and there's a it's happening like i think this month that they're going to allow uh, a set number of like users to try it out and see how it does as like their your world economy but for the us dollar as a crypto which again what are we what are we backing the dollar on now that like partially we're already, we're already trading we have the stock market already, and I feel like that's about to fail. If the U.S. dollar is devalues, like if I invest a hundred million dollars into a company, but the U.S. dollar is worth nothing, then what's the deal? So, anyways, that's another sort of problem. We we got to get back to number one discussion is world economic. <laughs> I know it all it's so easy, together, but it, it does. Because everything that we've been talking about is kind of just tying in. I want to show you a quick TikTok about Hit me with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, about yeah. the most recent World Economic Forum. This was, uh, I think, in January or November. November sounds right. I think November, October, sometime around that. Eight chilling predictions for 2030, according to the World Economic Forum. WEF is a scary organization comprised of super rich people who have a plan of action to accumulate global power and wealth. One, all products have become services. You will not own anything. You won't own a car, a house, any appliances or clothes. Oligarchs will still own everything and will offer housing as a service. Two, there's a global... I don't know about that first one. That seems a little extreme. Like I can't have a dryer. <laughs> let's let's pump the brakes right there just Dude, i can't have an apple peeler no you own nothing you are an apple peeler now <laughs> I, am, I am the apple price on carbon environmental damage whether it's driving your car or flying to a different country will attract taxation these costs will come from retail users of course three u.s i, I kind of want to talk about all these points real quick sure that, that makes most sense um, 
your point earlier about or did you say this or maybe I, I saw in a video it's like bill gates going to the geneva convention in his private jet is going to be way more of a co2 you know footprint than i will do in a single year driving my gas vehicle which i i barely drive anymore i'm barely driving and because i work from home maybe hitting 10,000 miles like i have to take road trips to like beef that up a yeah. little bit so for me to like and 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 like hey guys if you're driving an electric car good for you you're you're helping out but guess how much that battery uh that these third world countries are like get like getting the materials for is i don't know if it's like cobalt mines pretty bad yeah i dude i i I think i don't know if it's worse in obtaining oil or what the statue is like uh, obviously you have to get oil so you have to go and and find it and use carbon emissions to go get it and extract it and refine it so there's there's a whole process just to make oil just to make and then refine oil into gasoline refine gasoline or oil into what makes up pavement and roads like there's a whole lot behind oil i get it understand it there's an abundance of it though there's a ton of it we'll Mm. never run out of it in our lifetimes in our children's lifetimes in their children's lifetimes in their children's 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 lifetime like we'll have enough oil for a thousand years not saying it's the best thing, but there's the, we're refining it. We're making it better and better and better. I'm not saying that CO2 is not not harming our environment, right? Because there's been hundreds of studies that links it towards um, raising our temperature and whatnot. I don't. I, I'm not putting all my my wheels in the basket that electric is the way to go, because I don't think it is. I think it's good i think it's a start to getting to all electric but the way we obtain the materials to be able to uh conduct energy and to store energy is really shitty it's almost as shitty as hunting diamonds or gold in some of these like third world countries and i mean we're gonna go war because of it i mean china's already trying to go to taiwan because taiwan has a huge i think what you said either lithium or cobalt uh, depository in some of their soil and lands, whatnot. It's just, it's... Isn't Taiwan the big... Um, it's huge into... What is it? Um, microchips? Not microchips. Mm-hmm. or uh, It's the materials that make microchips and, and store uh, lithium. I, I think, I believe, don't quote me on it, but I know there's a big thing on that and China wants it because obviously it's one of the closest like little islands to China and Taiwan's a free country. So that's second point. Anyways, third point, let's see it. US dominance is over. The world is going to be I run by that. a handful of global powers. US may still be a part of the dominance, but their debt position isn't looking too good at the moment, and the BRICS nations are coming up fast. So kind of like we were explaining earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, America doesn't look good as far as like, yeah, we're always going to be a global powerhouse. I'm not concerned about that. We'll make it work. It's just concerning as a mm-hmm. US citizen, because we're already seeing it, that 64% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck, which is absurd to me in the richest country in the world, right? Or like quote unquote, highest GDP. 
that yeah. so many Americans are struggling is extremely concerning. It's going to be interesting how BRICS takes off. When did was there like a point? Do you know when that changed? Like, for instance, did you said sixty four percent of Americans live paycheck to paycheck? Yeah. Like, has that drastically risen? I, when did that metric change? If do you know? I don't know specifically, but I I'll just and like was it within like the last? I think it's within the last ten years. Yeah, I think. And, and did in do you think COVID had a very negative impact on that? Because Here, here's my analysis of it: we had 2008 with the housing market crisis, right? Where we had a lot of people that were just buying a four hundred thousand dollar house when they're only earning fifty, sixty thousand, like they couldn't afford this house, right? But things were just lending out like it was nobody's business, right? So then we had a bunch of Americans own houses, which is great because that's what you want to see. You want to see people invest into housing, which is going to create capital for mm-hmm. themselves. Um, banks are happy because they're going to get payments. Well, what happened was no one could afford these payments, right? After the housing market crashed, people lost their jobs. They couldn't afford these house payments. And so the banks were just left with thousands of thousands of houses and they couldn't sell them, but they foreclosed them. They're selling it for a dollar of what they bought their title for, basically. So that's put a ton of Americans in either high debt or they had to sell and then go into move into uh, either rentals or, yeah, basically rental, rental, renting. And we were also um, in a recession. And right, which lasted for about four years, right? And you remember oh. of like clash or cash or clunkers, uh, Obama. Mm. Like we're trying to help out the economy as best as best we can. This this was like around the time 2008, 2009, uh, where like gas was like four or five dollars a gallon. I remember it being like seven dollars in California, which not surprising. Yeah. And then um we we started doing good. Like everyone's, we started to recover from that. Uh, 16, 17, 18, 19, everyone's doing good. Like interest rates, interest rates are really low Four, three, three, something somewhere around there. Um, and then it just got to the point where like a lot of Americans finally like had the cash to go and buy housing. They want to get out of these rentals that they were in for the past six, seven years. So we had the capital and houses became so scarce that it just drove up the price for houses. Right. right. And it's mm-hmm. kind of still in that same point. We're still getting to the fallout. And then COVID happened where it's like, well, we can't do anything. People want to get out of apartments, um, but then you're limited on what you can do. So then the, the basically like our economic growth that we're seeing for the past 10 years just came like <clears throat> suddenly crashing. Stopped. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Businesses couldn't make their money. Banks couldn't pay their their rent because everyone's just borrowing and lending to each other, right? From, yeah. And then we all the PPP loans, which and then let's let's give money to the Americans, which is good. Like mm. I'm already paying. Yeah, but it's a double edged sword, right? Right. So it's like, well, you're gonna get basically what we got twenty four hundred dollars at the end of the pandemic out of two and a half years of yeah. stipled you know, being able to not travel. I mean, the whole industry was just completely disrupted. We weren't seeing, you know, our imports come in, exports going out. It was just, everything was just stifled. Everything just stopped. 
And that's kind of like where we're at. And we're just kind of waiting for everything to catch up. During that time period, people are like, well, I don't know what to do with my money. Uh, banks don't know what to do with their money. We're just kind of making sure we can get out of this pandemic, which was, in my opinion, a fucking hoax. It was, yeah. And we were kind of in a stalemate. But yeah, I mean, retrospectively looking at it, we handled the pandemically horribly and we crashed our economy. Absolutely. Could have been avoided. But we had, again, this is all tying together. And, and right. So we don't, I, I don't know what's going to happen, but that's my history and my knowledge about where we've, we've gone in. Again, I'm, I'm not like an expert in any of this. That's just what I know. So <laughs> I, I don't know. It, it's scary because during the time of the pandemic, uh, uh, BlackRock and Vanguard bought a, bunch of housing uh not not rental properties or not building rental properties they're just buying up all these houses which if you're like an investor back in 2008 2009 that's what you want to do you want to buy a bunch of houses so that people are running from you mm-hmm. these banks were like fuck it let's just buy up houses as much as we can and so they started doing that and then they're they're charging people that for a house like my house, they're going to charge you like $3,000, a month to live here. And this house is not worth that. I'm paying $1,300 a month in my mortgage, give or take, but they're going to charge you almost, you know, one and a half to two times as much. And like people are just, we're, we're going back to feudalism where you have landlords and we're the plebs. And I'm lucky, and you're lucky that we both own a house, right? Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of people our age, Ryan, that can't afford a house. It's even with the like first-time home buyers, which is only, uh, which is a program offered to first-time home buyers. <laughs> It's in the name. <laughs> it was yeah, not offered in every single state. Yeah. People can't get out of that. And you have to pay three and a half percent down on a house that's going to cost. Now, if you're thinking two years ago when that house was only worth 200,000, now it's worth 400, 500,000, which is, it's not worth that. You, you, you go from a payment of, you know, three and a half percent to, of, you know, $5,000. Now those people are have to pay $10,000. You don't have that when you're renting, bro. No one has, you know, it, and especially rent prices have gone up so high that people don't have, oh, let me just store an extra $100 a month for my future house or my future down payment. We just don't have it. And that's yeah. just kind of where it's at. And we're at this weird mark where now interest rates are 8% Crazy. on Houses are still the same value as they were two years ago. Like the house market has not gone down. It's gone down a little bit, but it's my house went up a hundred thousand dollars in the past four years. You know how long it took my parents' house uh, back when they first bought it in like 1999. I, they didn't even gain a hundred thousand dollars on their house. And the fact that I got it in the four past four years is mind blowing. You don't get those types of uh, returns in the in the stock market, even if you're that aggressive. 
Yeah. And it's hard to like, it's hard for, for home, uh, homeowners now to want to sell because why, you know, if you're, if you're locked into, you know, an interest rate, that's like, you know, less than 3%, what's the incentive to sell your house None. just to pay six to 8% interest right now? Like double, None. triple, you know? None. No. And, and you know what you like, I don't know if you talked to your parents about when they first bought their house or like I talked to my dad. He's like, oh, yeah, same in like 1985, I had to pay 18% of interest for my house. And I was like, Dad, your your house costed a nickel. All right. I don't give a shit. Yeah, maybe you your your housing payment was four or five, six hundred dollars more than what it was worth. Brother, our houses are eight times the amount of money that you bought when you came out of school or, or whatever, decide to buy a house. And now you slap on an 8% interest, which I think is where it's at right now. Get the fuck out of here. Like it's unbelievable how expensive that is. And we're, we're just talking about houses alone. We're not talking about cars right now. We're not talking about paying the bills of just utilities or groceries. I mean, I went, I went to Hy-Vee and got five things for dinner tonight. I'm talking like lettuce, like lettuce, vegetables, and milk and shit like that, like essentials. It's $20. Bananas are still cheap. That's good. <laughs> Just live off uh, potassium. Yeah, dude. It's one of the best fruits for you ever, actually. No, Anyhow. you're right, man. Like it's, it's, just, it's hard. It's really hard to make these big purchases that are needed, especially with, you know, buying cars, like people are holding onto their cars now because, you know, we have a big crisis where like not enough, there's not enough used cars in car lots and you're paying sticker price, no matter what you can't even negotiate. And yeah, your interest rates are going to be super high on your, on your auto loan. Right. And when's the last time you've seen a car appreciate? Never. I don't think I don't think it's ever in the history. It's never happened. When Deb was uh, getting offers from Cable Dahmer to buy her truck for forty thousand dollars, and we bought it for twenty five in two thousand eighteen. Yeah, two thousand nineteen, and we're getting offers for more than what it's worth. Even today, like it should yeah. depreciate, right? Like as soon as you take it off a lot, that's what they always said. The moment you're going to yeah. drop ten grand on that car, or whatever. Yep. That, that to me, and we all know because we're all living in it, it's like something's not right. And now we're going to bring up the U.S. dollar. That's also it's our it's. I mean, it's losing currency. It's not even it's not even close to the euro. It's depreciating been, a lot, failing to get to the euro price. Well, for ages. Anyways, okay, we haven't even made it up to. Yeah, uh, the third, the, I think the fourth point, th- fourth point. For home hospitals, virtual health assistants will provide more primary care than human doctors. There will also be a new idea called Internet of Bodies that will be introduced to monitor our health. Listen to this chilling quote. Human beings are no longer mysterious spiritual souls. We are now hackable animals. There will be two classes, the exploited and the useless class. It's better to be exploited than to be useless. F- okay. Initial thoughts, because you're more health uh, associated than I am. 
on that one. I didn't even I didn't even see that one. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, I'll play it back for you. care than human doctors. There will also be BRICS nations are coming okay. up fast. For home hospitals, virtual health assistants will provide more primary care than human doctors. There will also be a new idea called Internet of Bodies that will be introduced to monitor our health. Listen to this chilling quote. Human beings are no longer mysterious spiritual souls. We are now hackable animals. There will be two classes, the exploited and the useless class. It's better to be exploited than to be useless. Five. What? So, I don't. Believe, I think that. I don't. I think the in, whole. I don't believe that. I think yeah. The whole point was like, hey, less, less healthcare, more regulated towards like a you know like everyone's data is pointing that if you have these underlying conditions or whatever condition, then this is what you need to take. I don't totally agree with that. I don't. And, and this is about the World Health Organizations or World Health Forum. World Economic Forum, right? Yeah, I don't. So, what, we're, we're just not going to have hospitals anymore. Is that what they're trying to get I, at? Like, I yeah that that one. I'm like, I don't know. I think it's, one hospitals. I think it's a. Hear me out. I think it's a really good thing um, that we can share all of our. If there's a way to digitalize like your bodies, like. You know how a game, right? A game is like comprised of so many files and whatnot, right? And it's all collective and you can make it work. If you can do that with a human body and we're all different, but like you have enough data to support like individual conditions, sicknesses, illnesses, viruses, bacteria, et cetera, to make a common like cure for that. I think that's a good thing, right? I don't think there's anything yeah, so, wrong with that. So medicine already does. Right. We already do that. Right. And so I, I think in this quote, they're saying, oh, well, we're going to, the, the superior are going to remain superior. And the people that are just basically like, um, what's it called? Like, you're just conditioned that you're always going to be sick. What was it like? Um, like, if you're always um, sick or you always like have diseases, cancer, like you're you're fucked. You're screwed. People just, yeah, people with comor comorbidities, right? And then and then you're just gonna die, and you're just you're not. It's like it's like uh, Darwinism. It's I mean, they try. They kind of try to do that a little bit with the vaccine, in a way. Yeah. When they were trying to say like, oh, if you're not vaccinated, we'll deny you care at our at our facility. I would see. I see like where that could come into play, but I sure. think you'd have too many. I think you'd have too much of a majority from healthcare providers and doctors. I don't think you're to also, say like, no, that's not, that's not how this works. Agreed. Cause you're, when you go to a hospital, like even if, you know, it doesn't matter. You can, if you walk in, if you go in by ambulance, whatever, as soon as you get there and the doctor speaks to you, you can go, um, yeah, actually I don't want to be, I don't want to be treated. And they go, Okay, well, based on my assessment, you could have a condition that could lead up to disability or even death. You understand that, right? And they go, yeah, I don't want to be treated. You go, cool, sign here. It's called an AMA, Against Medical Advice. And it's your right to sign that and not be treated. So, I mean, that still exists. And to Hmm. force someone to, you know, back when... 
they're pushing the vaccine very hard and to force someone to use a vaccine as a prerequisite to getting any kind of treatment is medical malpractice and absolute nonsense. Would you say the same thing if someone refused the MMR vaccine? What do you mean? So like MMR, like you get that from like birth, right? Or the polio vaccine. Is that something that we still get vaccines for polio? Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, when you're a baby, I'm pretty sure. Baby. Yeah. Or like shingles or chicken pox, like stuff like that. Look, I like, may not agree with it. Like I may think like that's a really dumb, idiot. that's a really dumb thing, but yeah. it's your, it's your health. I'm not going to, I'll advocate, I'll advocate for you and your health, but I mean, dude, there's been, I have, I have friends who are providers who have been treating a patient at their home and they are literally having a heart attack and that patient saying, I don't want to go to the hospital. They're like, sir, you are on the brink of death here. Like your heart is literally dying before our eyes. And the more that we talk about this, the more your heart is dying and the closer you are to death. And guess what? That patient, as long as they are, they hold capacity and competency and can make a, um, and understand the risks, they're allowed to say no. Yeah. And there's nothing you can do about it. So if someone was like, came into your facility and they were like, yeah, I have, um, measles, but I never got the vaccine. I don't want the vaccine. A doctor would say, okay, guess what? We have protocol for this. That's the thing is like the hospitals know like that people don't take care of themselves and they don't take stuff or take steps towards, you know, preventing stuff like measles, mumps, rubella, or polio or COVID or sure. any preventable disease. They know that. And that's why there's protocol. I mean, but it's, it's your, it's your right. It's your health, man. It's your right. That's, that's, yeah. the, that's, that's a positive thing about our, I know our healthcare system has a lot of issues, but that is a, that is a positive thing about our healthcare system. Okay. That's why HIPAA is important, right? Your privacy and your right to healthcare or your right to getting treated and how you handle your health is, is important. Not being forced or having prerequisites to getting treatment. I mean, and step down. Do you think in a um, socialized healthcare, like we see a lot of the EU nations, like I, and, and you, pro- you probably don't know this. And I, I obviously don't, that's why I'm asking the question, but like, do you think if they said you're going to die tomorrow unless we don't give you this drug that that person can say no still in are you talking about just, like in you know, eu if for a socialized like um, system they i think they still can say no i still think that's within their rights i think with a socialized healthcare system it's that everyone has healthcare coverage Right. That's because you're taxed, like you're heavily taxed on it. And I, I think that's where like um, a lot of may, maybe like conservative Americans when it comes to, and I've had these discussions with my friends about socialized healthcare, which I'm in a hundred, hundred percent agreeance with 
is that they're like, oh, well, if they're not working and paying their tax money, you know, why should I provide them health care? And I'm like, well, I'm providing hopefully people that are like really old money that they can just live day to day by social security tax. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like the same argument. It's like, well, when I'm old, do I want to be taken care of when I'm not working anymore? And I don't have health insurance by the U S or by my company. It's like my dad and I'm sure your dad as well, where they're having to pay thousands of dollars for subpar health insurance that they're, paying way more every single month than probably what they're going in and getting treated for. I mean, the insurance thing is a whole insurance. It's its own, it's its own beast. Here. I think, I think socialized, I won't even call it social. I'll call it, it is socialized, but I'll call it universal healthcare, which I know is, it's been a big thing. Um, I think theoretically there's, there's benefit to it. Cause yeah, everyone has, you know, coverage, but at the same time, like, I don't think people understand that, like, in our healthcare system now, like, people go and get treated and then they will get a bill and they just won't pay the bill. You don't have to. Yeah. And then so somebody else has to pick that bill up. Guess what? The collection agency picks it up. I know, but under HIPAA, we loss, also you don't have to. We also. Right. But my, my point is, is that it. like the issue that I see with universal healthcare is kind of what you brought up earlier to where, look, if you don't want to work, that's fine. That's not even like, I don't even think that's a real issue. Cause I don't think that's a, there, I don't think in, especially in our economy, like I don't think there's an insane, we're not like 10% unemployment. You know what I mean? Right. We're, we're way less than that. We're way less than that. People we're, work. We've, we've always fluctuated between like two to like 8%, 8% being like great recession sort of thing. I think the problem comes into play is where we have a lot of, what is the biggest, what is our biggest health problem in our country? Probably um, people who's Starts smoke and no. drink. Starts with a no. Orgasm. No. <laughs> Obesity. <laughs> That's a joke, by the way. <laughs> Obesity. And we're getting right. off topic, but like... Oh, well. not off topic, because this next point kind of... Oh, the meat thing. This. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, we have an obesity epidemic in our country. And the, and this is a whole other, this is a whole other rabbit hole because like, I, I would love to do, uh, I would love to talk about it too, because food, because I think uh, obviously you mastered in kinesiology, which is not yeah. like the study of food. You're not a nutritionist, but you know, a lot know more about, about macros, minors, and there's no minors, but there's <laughs> micros, <laughs> but, there, but there's, there's enough to, uh, yeah, let's talk about it next time. Anyways, yeah. but you're right. I completely agree with you. There's a lot of health issues in America, a lot, and we're not addressing them. And, and these corporations are, and I say corporations because we're not making man, matters better for everyone. If you look at the EU standards for just like what is involved in their food versus what's involved in ours is insane. And the links to cancer is also involved into that using all these ingredients. Yeah. But, 
And again, we'll get into that okay, because okay. a lot of that okay. stuff is really misunderstood. And okay, I'd, I'd like to learn because and there's no context provided to it. But okay. anyways, let's get to the meat thing. This guy's talking all right, about. All right, let's, let's see about the meat. We will eat much less meat. Six, today's refugees will be 2030's CEOs. Refugees will become major source of entrepreneurial talent. Seven, the Western value. Shit. Five. Why was five so short? <laughs> Better to be exploited than to be useless. Five, we will eat much less meat. Six. <laughs> All right. I do. Everything else gets its own little like section. And then he goes, five, we'll eat less meat. All right. Six. Yeah. Like what? I, yeah, I didn't learn anything. First anything off, in what context will we eat less meat? Like, are you saying there's going to be less meat available? Or are you going to say they're going to stop recommending people eating meat? Or are they going to put restrictions on how much meat people can buy? Is there going to be restrictions on how much meat's going to even be like available in like supermarkets? Like, we don't know. What's the context there? You can't just we say we're going to eat less meat. All right, number six, refugees. Yeah, apparently, the quote is um, if I can just pause it real quick is that we're going to be eating bugs instead of yeah oh that's where it's going meat that's where it's going the bugs okay which i'm not fucking eating bugs bro i'm not eating bugs either i mean i'm just not eating it (laughs) in the day man i'm I'm good just uh, i'll fucking starve dude uh whatever no, I'm good. I, I and I don't know what to say about the whole food thing because we have enough food to give everyone on this planet enough dietary, you know, nutrition value. To there, there should be no world hunger at all. Agreed. America alone, like the fact that people are like starving or kids aren't eating for school or whatever, blows my mind because I can go. Oh, dude. Uh, that reminds me of like the one like bipartisan thing that we had going during COVID was the child tax credit. And that never get passed. No, it did. It did. It did get passed and it was, it, it was working. And like, I think we had like, I don't have the numbers and, but I remember like the, um, child poverty raped. What? Child poverty rate. Whoa, you want to Whoa, dude. Whoa. Whoa, dude. Canceled. Hashtag. Everyone, everyone relax for a second. What was that? You said it. Bro. No, dude. I said child poverty I'm rate. put him on blast. Oh, shit. I can't make that just right. Damn it. The child poverty, you can. It's okay. I don't want to. Okay. The child poverty rate dropped, like, significantly. And then both sides just let it go to expire. And it was like, why? I don't know. I don't know why, but I know I remember this back in like during the COVID during, during the COVIDs. That's crazy. Yeah, dude. And it's like doing stuff like that. Like when both sides can go, Hey, this bill, we don't have any bullshit from either side in it. This is something that benefits something that we both want, you know, to happen. Yeah. And they, they did it. And it was like, holy shit, we put our heads together and something worked. Whoa. And crazy. now we're letting it go to 
expire because I, I may, it's probably because both sides were like, all right, if we're renewing this bill, I want this in there and then I want this in there. And it was like, okay, well, we don't agree on those things. So we're going to let it expire. I think it's kind of what happened. <sighs> hmm. Well, yeah. Okay. So let's go on to the refugees here. <sighs> Much less meat. Six, today's refugees will be 2030's CEOs. Refugees will become a major source of entrepreneurial talent. Seven, the West. Why is that a bad thing? That people from. I just don't understand what, what that means, though. People from insufferable countries says the majority of the world's okay, yeah, will be educated. They also say that refugees will become a major source of entrepreneurial talent. That's a good thing, right? It's driving capitalism, driving people to create new ideas to hopefully make the world a better place to compete with other uh, items. And, and yeah, I don't either, but I, I think. That's a good thing. I'm not like I'm not going to be competitive at, at all towards this. I think this is great. <laughs> that one didn't make sense. Yeah, I and what what's it against Syria? I mean, I I've never here. Here's the thing about making these generalizations too about refugees, right? People are always like, I don't want these people because they're from this country, and it's like. Well, what's wrong with the country? Well, they're communists and they're going to bring those ideologies over here. And I'm like, you really think if. Well, no, I'm bringing, they're run, wait, I think they're hold running on. from. Sorry. They're running from bad things, right? Yeah, that's what, I, that's what I'm saying. Right. And I, I know what you're about to say, but like, take, uh, take a typical Mexican refugee, right? You really think they're going to come to America and be like, I'm going to make a new entrepreneurial idea. That's going to fuck Americans. No, <laughs> like, no, not at all. They're like, I recognize a problem. I want to try to make it better. Here's a solution. There it's very un, untypical, not typical, atypical, atypical. Thank you. That you're creating a solution for, or creating a problem for a solution. Solution for a problem. Problem for a solution. I said, the I think you got it right. Yeah. First time that that's hardly the matter. So I, I, I don't agree with that being like a scary thing. Yeah. I, right. I think, yeah, with refugees, I don't think like, I don't think people are against refugees. I think people are, no, they're, they're, are you, have you seen when that happened and people were like, so against refugees coming to America? No, I think people were against open borders. I think people were like, true. Okay. Well, refugees. Yeah, that's fine. People come over here all the time, but like, let's not let, you know, like the cartel walk across the border with all their fentanyl laced drugs that are killing our youth or. Right. It's like homily carrots thing. Don't come. Don't yeah, come. I'm going to come. No, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, um, I'm totally cool with like every immigrant coming to America. Don't do it illegally. Cause dude, every, why is that such a hard, why is this such a hard concept? 
So people have have gotten across the border that are good people. I, I don't think there's good or bad people that cross the border because I think they're like trying to get them away from a, a horrible situation or a, trying to tr- trying to go make their situation better. Right. I think that's 100 percent fair. I mean, I get it. There's a good way to do it and there's a bad way to do it. And that's all I'm going to say about like immigration and whatnot. Well, I'm not. I'm going to keep going, actually. <laughs> there are so many people that when I was in recruiting that were good people. Um, they weren't American citizens. They're on green cards and they had to keep like teaching or like being in the education system so they can keep um, their visa or whatnot. But they couldn't. They had to wait until they could you know apply for American citizenship which is seven years minimum living here which is a long time to live in the country it's a long time it's a long time and then it, it could be longer it could be another 10 years after that before you're allowed to go and take the American citizenship so there, there's a lot of problems when it comes to immigration in America and it's very unfortunate and I don't know what to tell those people because I think a lot of people that are wanting to go to a country like America or Canada or um, uh, uh, UK that are traveling from Middle Eastern or South American countries, I uh, was just trying to make their lives better, right? And their families better. Mm-hmm. We no, just, dude, I'm on board. I'm like, I agree with you with the premise. Yeah. And it's just. I don't know what my point is here <laughs> to be. No, honest. I, I, I think your point is, is that ha- having refugees come to your country isn't because they're, they're bad people or bringing bad ideologies over. You, like you said, they're people escaping. Are, people are scared of they're escaping they tyranny. From. Right. And they're coming to, they're trying to come to freedom. But I mean, there's, there's a, you have to go through the r- proper channels Right to get into our country because again, letting just again we've seen time and time again, bad people will take advantage of good people, yeah, and bad people will take advantage of bad systems to get what they want, and we've seen that happen in our country. So I think you sure us. I think that's what our next president needs to focus on is to actually fix the border. Yeah. Border it's, problem. The immigration it's problem. A, it's such a gray area because it is a gray area. It is. You you want to do right what's for people as like a humanitarian, you know, look at it. Yeah. You don't want it. Sorry, I'm burping. Okay. You don't want people you don't want people to suffer. You don't want anyone to be in cages or whatever, but don't don't take it as a political gain either if you're going down there and I'm not to throw out AOC, but she did that. It was just political gain. I think every president, every uh, political member that wants to get elected is, is showing some form of either empathy or concern, but they, they never address it. We never, we, we never see someone that's just like, Hey, this is wrong. Let's let people like, come on in like it, it's going to be all right but you're just going to have to go through the same process as like most people that do it legally especially if you're coming not from mexico no one's coming from canada to the united states let's be honest there but you have a third third world countries 
coming from South America and Central America coming up to our lands to seek pros- prosperity. Um, the difference is the people that are coming from, um, you know, Eastern Europe or like anywhere from the country that have to travel by plane, they have to go through all that process. What's the difference between just Mexico? Like, can we not solve that issue? Like yeah. most countries that are in Europe, and I don't know this for a fact, but I know a lot, have a fence of some sort. I, I'm just going to leave that there. Most a countries fence? have that. A fence. Oh, or I thought you said uh, offense, like offense. Uh, a, a like physical. A physical fence. A physical fence or a yeah. building or something. Or, well, of course. I, I, I'm pretty sure that U.S. Canada does not have that, but I know that the Montes will catch your ass if you try to go to Canada, you know, fleeing, or if they find you, you're going to be shipped back to the United States promptly. Uh, let's sorry. move on to... Yeah, sorry, sorry, you got to go back to America, bud. Yeah. Right. Refugees right. will become major source of entrepreneurial talent. Seven, the Western Valley... All right. ...will be at breaking point. WEF wants democracy to be reimagined as the values that have underpinned the liberal world order will have been tested to the breaking point. Eight, we are going to Mars. Right. Here are eight chilling predictions for know. 20 values that I don't have know. underpinned... Right. Yeah, hold on. Eight's fine, but... Let's go to Mars. Yeah, who cares? So seven, the values that built the West have been tested to the breaking point. It's not that the WF wants democracy to fail. It's just that they want to be reimagined, they say, in 2030. Great reset. Values have underpinned the liberal world order will have been tested to the breaking point. What are these values? Individualism, freedom of speech, laissez-faire. Capitalism, Judo-Christianity, the WEF doesn't say, but they'll be really happy to tell us once they've taken it over. Kind of a uh, the old fallacy that says, oh, well, if they do this, then X, Y, Z is going to happen. Like, okay, we don't know. I think democracy still, if you leave it up to the people, um, it's going to go in the right direction. And I'm not talking about the people that we have in the United States, because let's be honest, we're brainwashed. The shit that we see every single day on either TV or social media, especially if you're looking at Facebook, YouTube, sorry, YouTube, but you're involved. And TikTok, all these platforms, but I, I feel like TikTok has been the most unrestrictive app as about uh, ideas, not ideologies that I can see other parts of the world um, uh, what am I trying to say? I, I in TikTok, I see ideologies that are bless you. Thank you. Um, you see more unfiltered. Right. It's more unfiltered. Thank you. Thank you. That's all I was trying to say. Whereas yeah. I think the stuff that we I, I don't think I know the stuff we see in America it's so filtered. It is filtered, but here's 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 something that's really kind of positive. Okay. CNN's, oh, CNN's numbers. And this is just I'm just taking an example of a mainstream news network. Their 
um, their numbers have been like crazy low. Yeah. Like they did one of these little demo things and they only had 80,000 viewers for this demo. That's really. And like, yeah. And you look at their peak prime time and like, they're not even like touching, they're not even close to a million viewers. And you put that on the grand scale of population of the United States. That's good. And you compare that to Fox and like Fox has super low numbers too. And so, I mean, kind of what you're seeing is a shift in how people are consuming their news. Like people are starting to not take their, are starting to not get their, their information from um, major news networks. Instead, they're getting it from online publications. Like we've been talking about independent wow. news outlets wow, and, and social media. So I think that's a positive. It's extreme positive. We, we want more of that. We want people to try to gain their news from wherever they can, other than those, just the two major networks that are owned by two companies. Yeah. And on the flip side, as you know, like most, most um, mainstream media is backed by Vanguard. Liberal, well, yeah, liberal. I mean, like I'm talking ideology. Oh, ideologies. Yeah. You have more liberal ideology on the mainstream news sure network do. and the <clears throat> party in power will try to steer f- facts and information sure. through the mainstream media. I think that's... So that uh, they can say that that is like, well, we have trusted sources that are saying this. When right. in reality, it's like it, trusted source or is it more where you're ultra filtering the news so that we only hear what you want us to hear. Yeah, did Matt Taibbi ever go on CNN or Fox News? I know he went on Fox News. He ever go on CNN? Mr. Don Lemon or something. Let's look into that. But like we were talking about earlier, um, a little bit about Michael Schellenberger, him being on Joe Rogan, and he talks extensively about how um, he's been on, like him, Taibbi, and uh, Barry Weiss have all been under attack. And like, he even expresses that he still, he has that. He's very much a liberal. My dogs are going crazy right now. I know I can hear him. Tell him to shut up. It's bandit. Fucking bandit. Yeah. Just take a shot in the porch again. Don't. (laughs) But, um, yeah, he talks about how he's he's liberal and how when he was kind of gathering the information from the Twitter files, he was invited on by Barry Weiss. And Barry Weiss is conservative. Matt Taibbi is probably more more liberal. And they went in and they found they got all these all these all this information on Twitter files. They did all this reading, all this fact, you know, facts finding. Yeah. Just to present the truth and how you have one side of the aisle that was attacking them and trying to discredit them, calling your AOC, calling the um, Hunter Biden story, a half fake story. Yes. It's like, that's even a weird premise to say half fake, but half fake. Like what's true about that? 
Yeah. But when we came, what we came to find out was everything in the New York post story was all true. All the evidence they found, the fact that the FBI subpoenaed for Hunter Biden's laptop, they had the laptop, they had all that information. This is all true. This is not half true, no half truth, no half falsehoods or whatever. You have so, to create a narrative if you're someone like in, in her shoes too. Unfortunately. I mean, do you? No, you don't. You could be <laughs> just a stand-up politician. You could, but she's not. That actually respects the facts of everything. Yeah, but... But we can't. We can't. So um, anything else about WEF? I do have a video know? for you. Okay. Um, I have a video of James Lindsay. If you don't know James Lindsay, I would highly suggest giving him a follow on the Twitters, um, finding some of his work on YouTube. Um, he has a... He has like his own little publication. Gosh, dang it. What is it called? I'll need to look it up. Um, he talks a lot about WEF, WEF, and he is kind of independent like you. He's not conservative, not liberal. Oh, thank you. Yeah. See if I can look up what his thing is called. New discourses. That's his Substack. New discourses. Um, this video is posted by oh, here. Okay, make sure the volume's on. Share. I'm gonna piss. Okay. It's okay. You ready? You will own nothing, comma, and you will be happy. The Great Reset is the comma in that sentence. Free thing. They've done interviews with corporate leaders that go on to say, beyond you'll own nothing and be happy, they explain how. They say, well, the thing is, you don't actually want the product, is what we've realized. You just want the benefit of the product. So maybe we'll keep the ownership of the product, and we'll just sell you the benefit of the product. So you don't actually have to own anything. Everything's on a subscription service. And they can take it away or turn it off whenever they want. And you think, well, you're Netflix, okay. But now think it's your car. We're actually actually seeing things like that. They were turning off trucks in Canada remotely. Your means of getting around, they will turn it off. Your food subscription, because it will be a subscription, they can turn it off. If your social credit's not high enough. This is the world that these guys envision, and the reason they envision it is because they want to create one that is both perfectly predictable as a market and perfectly controllable as a political object. There's a term for this in some of the literature that's called a psychocracy. A government by psych, you're pretending that you're happy in the metaverse or something while you own nothing. They say, everything you have, you will rent and it'll be delivered by drone. Does that include your underwear? Because I draw the line. <laughs> I don't know about all y'all in the room. I know it's hard to identify these days, but I am a man and therefore I will buy my underwear and I will wear them till they fall apart. <laughs> it's how we do things in America. I'm just saying. Everything you own, they say, you will rent. Or everything you have, you will rent. Does that include your underwear? These are actually, it's a funny question, but it's a serious question. You have to ask, what in the world are they including in everything? 
They've done interviews with corporate leaders that go on to say, beyond you'll own nothing to be happy, they explain how. Okay. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. How do I stop sharing? There. Yeah. There we go. I don't hear my voice. Um, He's not wrong about like everything being rented. I mean, I was just, I just canceled YouTube TV because they up the price. I swear, dude, this is like the second, I I think you mentioned this last episode. No, I don't think I did. I think you did because I remember you talking about it. No, man. They, they raised the price by like eight bucks. And I'm like, it's, it's as expensive as uh, cable was uh, 10 years ago, and I'm not going to do it. And the only reason I get YouTube TV is so I can watch uh, Red Zone for 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 football. Yeah, sports, and that's it. And it's crazy, and I'm just like looking at my bills, and I'm like, holy shit. Look at all these subscription services. And I said this to uh, – Everyone I talked to back when I think Netflix first came out, I was like, don't worry, this is going to get more expensive than what cable is now. Uh, this is like when everyone had cable. My dad was paying, you know, $120 for a drug TV. I'm like, you're going to have a subscription service for Netflix, ESPN, ABC. And, and you see it now. You get Paramount Plex, HBO, uh, Stars. Uh, like everything, everything's 10, 15 bucks a month. And you're paying, you're now paying more than what you would have paid back when you had these for, for free, other than the fact that you don't have to watch commercials. Mm-hmm. So thanks. I, uh, cause I fucking hate commercials, but we're paying more now than what we did 10, 15 years ago. That's a good point. Yeah. That's, it's funny how that happened. So I, I wouldn't doubt that in the guy's point that everything's going to be rented. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's not exactly wrong. Cause even like when it comes to gaming, I, I think it was brought up way earlier in this podcast that, yeah, I, I'm paying for uh, services where I like, I can rent games, you know, Xbox game pass, a g- great example. Uh, PS net, I think has a subscription service for all PS games where you can just go and play them anytime you want, which is great for a game that you want to go and play maybe 10, 15 hours or, and and then you're done with it. Yeah. It's a scary premise to think like it's, it's, you want your groceries this month. Okay. Well, if you want groceries every month, you pay this X X amount. I think your social credit score has dropped. We're going to have to, we have to cut your, your. Well, I mean, hasn't it already evolved for your just your monetary credit score? Like, you can't buy a house unless you want this much interest and this much down payment. Then we can trust you. It's like uh, when when Deb's good friends um, was was like saying uh, she went to go apply for a mortgage and she has a great credit. And she couldn't do anything. She couldn't buy a house because she had no like credit cards, nothing like that. And she's like, why, why would you accept me as like a, a lender? She's like, cause you have no credit. Mm-hmm. It's like, in the, isn't this the person that you want to rent from someone that can pay off everything? It's no, we don't want that person. We, the banks want people that around the six to 700 credit scores, because they're always going to have a high interest. They're always going to have to pay for the rest of their life, basically. 
And they're always going to own that person. And that's it. That's all it is. Why, why was a credit score ever invented? I think because of what happened, the great depression. No, uh, uh, credit scores were developed in like the eighties, nineties, like this way before housing crisis, this was a a after term concept. And it was, it was, I think, I I think it was because like, like with, um, let's just ask Google real quick. Well, I was going to say, I think it's kind of like with school loans, like why, why is, why has education become so, so pricey? And that's because anybody can get a school loan and it's just loans are so accessible now because you're attached to that school loan for the rest of your life. Well, they will garnish your wages. You know what I mean? Right. It's not like a car car where if you, if you miss payments, they're like, all right, we're going to repo your car or, Oh, we're going to we're going to repossess your house. Like, Nope, that's, we're going to garnish your wages. Guess what? We're taking, we're taking your, your paycheck now. Fair, fair. And I, I, and I don't think where the credit score, it's not a bad idea. Like if I'm a banker and I say, Hey, I have a million dollars and I have 10 people coming to me and they all want a hundred thousand dollars, right? I'm going to charge them 10% interest for each of these loans. And I'm going to make another extra hundred thousand dollars, right? Or a million dollars. Good concept, right? Great. But now it's been like portrayed, like, it's been turned and manipulated like we do with all of our, all of our laws, all of these like business decisions to make it so complex that the average American can't understand what they're actually doing with their money. And so here I just asked, why was credit score invented into Google? Businesses used to determine who they could trust to extend credit to the, to um, the sentence wasn't complete. Uh, <laughs> as the U.S. urbanized lending became difficult when a borrower borrower moved to a new town and needed credit from a bank, there wasn't a standard way to verify if someone was uh, able to repay their debts, which makes completely sense. How are you able to uh, give someone a, a credit score who always pays off their loans, you know, and, and like, shouldn't they always be like the standard of what, A50? Isn't that someone that you just said, here's whatever money you need, whatever money you need. I know you're good for it. Why are they denying people that have perfect credit scores or they have no debt? And why is it when I have like, I have now like four credit cards, everything's paid off. Everything's good. I still have like a 700 credit score because of what my dad did. RIP. Oh yeah, didn't really tell me that story. RIP. He's still alive. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but something that happened uh, eight years ago that's still affect- affecting my credit score because he didn't pay the credit card bill for six months. How's that still like going against me? I've owned a house uh, for fi- almost actually almost five years now. We pay all our bills on time. I, I've never missed a, a car payment, whatnot. My credit score is still dog shit. Well, I think the, I think one of the crazy things is is like the act of applying for a loan damages your credit score. Why? I want to see what my credit is. I, I want to see how much money I get. Why is it? So, what if I apply to forty credit cards? I, I want to see the best rates. Why is that going to be a hit on my credit? Because I want. 
because I want to go in debt. Isn't that what you want in the first place? No, I don't want, I don't want debt. No, you don't as a big banker, but why is it that that's the case at all? I think because they see it, like you just mentioned, they see a dollar sign. It blows my mind. Yeah. Holy shit, man. We covered a lot of stuff in this hour and 30 minutes or so. Yeah, I can go on. I know. This. I know, but the World Economic Forum, it's going to be interesting what happens in the next few years um, in Davos. And I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the near future with the U.S. dollar yeah. and BRICS. And we have a, an election coming up. We haven't even mentioned the Donald Trump arraignment, which is going to be fireworks and the implications that that holds. So we have a lot of stuff in the near aren't future. Have, aren't we going to have an election this year? We should have. 2024. Oh, we're going to see primaries. We're going to see primaries. Yeah. It would be interesting to see what comes from our only two political parties. Yeah. Sorry, there is three, but we never see any. Yeah, there's more than three. You have the Green Party, the Libertarian Party. Yeah, right. Well, let's let's see it on a independent. Yeah. All right. Well, it's been fun. It was a fun, fun talking. It's exhausting. Always good talking to you, brother. No, it it's fantastic talking to you. It's just um the the more and more I talk about these situations with you, not that I'm frustrated at the end of every podcast, but the it's okay more to be frustrated because it's it is it's frustrating I just stuff. Am uh, worried about all of us, but but you're right. Let's end it. It's been well, great. It's been and phenomenal. Hey guys, if you made it this far, I love you. As always. This is from Sam. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is episode. 17? 18. 18? Yes, sir. Go check that. That's crazy. We're approaching 20. You'll see us on TikTok soon. We'll see us on TikTok. All right. Well, this is episode 18, apparently. We'll see you in the very near future for episode 19. Later. See you later. Congratulations. You've made it to the end. You might as well tune in for the next episode of Indecent Exposure. That's all, folks. Until next time, Space Cowboy.